Welcome back to the Sleep Culture Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Well, we have a confession. We were both terrible sleepers oh, this God. week. Oh, God. Just awful. If you could see the state of our apartment, it directly reflects <laughs> how shitty we were. <laughs> There's just things everywhere. Even Howie, like the dog, is having anxiety. We are not doing well here. Our sleep hygiene's terrible. I didn't sleep well, which led me to be anxious and more scatterbrained. I can't find anything. Marley forgot where the forks were kept tonight. We've only lived here for a couple of years. Yes. (laughs) So that's where we're at. Yeah, even Leah's wine bottle from the weekend is still sitting on the table. There's laundry on the table. Yeah, that wine bottle is just sitting there staring at me. I know, I know. Even though I know better, I had a long work week last week. I ended up working like six out of seven days, so I got the end of my stretch, and I was like, I earned myself this bottle of wine, so I thought I'm going to be alone Sunday night, I'm just going to have a couple glasses of wine, passed out on the couch, woke up feeling terrible. Yeah. Well, you're not alone. (laughs) So that actually is a good uh, good introduction to our topic this week, which is um, how, how drugs and alcohol affect your sleep. So alcohol actually is the most commonly used sleeping aid in the world. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Um, there's not a lot of research in Canada on stats on it, but um, in the States, we found that 20% of Americans are using alcohol nightly to fall asleep. That's one in five people. That That's only the people that are admitting it, though. <laughs> right. That was probably, like, grossly underestimated. Yeah. If my doctor was like, did you drink wine last night to fall asleep? I'd be like, absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, I did not. But absolutely not. Thanks for asking. So... Um, if it is the most popular sleeping aid in the world, why do you think it is? Why is it the sleep- most popular? What do you think, Leah? Um, why did you Why did you use it to sleep on Friday night, <laughs> knowing better? Um, I just think it's it's easily accessible. We can go pick it up at the liquor store. Like it's easy to get. It's relatively cheap. You don't require a doctor's prescription or any kind of appointment to get there. And it's culturally acceptable. Like how if you think about people talking about a nightcap, like, I'm going to have a nightcap before I go to bed. That's something you see in movies, on TV. Absolutely. Like, that's pretty common. And also, going to the doctor and asking for sleeping pills, people are really, like, kind of hesitant to do that sometimes. Exactly. But you go to the liquor store, it's not like you're worried about the cashier knowing you're getting that bottle of wine to help you fall asleep. No, exactly. (laughs) She's like, like, well, we're having a party. Dinner party, yeah. (laughs) Well, the the reason that so many people use it is because it works. Alcohol does work as a sleeping aid, so... Alcohol will sedate us. We have mm-hmm. all felt that when we drink, we feel drowsy, and um, it does help us fall asleep. So it decreases what we call the onset of sleep. Right. Um, so that does make people feel like it's effective. Right. But it's actually the reason you wake up and you feel like shit, and you didn't feel like you've slept, and you're, you think you've slept, but you don't feel like you've, right. you're rested. Yeah, it, I felt that Monday morning. <laughs> Good thing you didn't work Monday. Oh, did you work Monday? No. No, good. <laughs> and the reason for that is is the metabolism of alcohol. So once you fall asleep, great, you get this nice deep sleep, and then your body starts to metabolize alcohol, and the metabolism of alcohol wakes up your brain, and it fragments your sleep in the later part of the night. So you end up having this great sleep at the beginning, and then this horrible rebound in the second part of right. your night, which some people are like, well, at least I fell asleep. But... 
the effects of alcohol are still leading to fragmented sleep in the morning, so you're missing out on some of the good parts of sleep, like REM sleep in the morning, and, and so you might mm-hmm. feel, you know, forgetful or groggy the next day. You might feel sluggish, cognitively delayed. <laughs> right. So basically, all the symptoms we always talk about with sleep deprivation. So you're basically having all the same symptoms. You just right. feel better about the fact that you've closed your eyes you've for a few hours. Fallen asleep. <laughs> right. Precisely. And really the problem with that is uh, humans develop such a quick tolerance to the sedation effect of alcohol, then mm-hmm. it takes more and more and more to get the same result. Right. So that makes sense. And then, so I can only assume more alcohol gets you more drunk. So more alcohol probably screws your sleep more. You're right. So the more alcohol you drink, the more disruptive it is to your sleep. And anyone that's been drunk, and if you've noticed you wake up super early in the morning, it's the alcohol metabolism that's actually causing that. Not to mention, if you're drinking a ton to fall asleep, passing out and falling asleep are not the same thing. (laughs) Damn it. They're just not the same things. Also, I'd like to mention, just as um, someone that works with sleep apnea all the time. PSA. Just a PSA out there for anyone questioning, you know, they're snoring when they're drinking. Or if you have a CPAP machine, you have been prescribed a CPAP machine, and you know you have obstructive sleep apnea, I have a lot of patients that are non-compliant when they're drinking. Mm -hmm. Alcohol is a muscle relaxant, and sleep apnea is a relaxation of those muscles to hold your airway open. So when you're drinking, you're relaxing those muscles, so it's making, making your sleep apnea worse, not to mention you're sedating your brain. So when our protective mechanism to start breathing when you have sleep apnea is your brain to say, wake up, you got to breathe. Right. When you're sedating your brain with alcohol, your brain's, your body's going, oh shit, wake up. And your brain's like, no, I'm, I'm drugged up here. <laughs> yeah. And so then instead of your brain waking you up in 20 seconds, maybe you've been apneic, which just means without breathing for 30 seconds, then 60 seconds, and then two minutes without breathing before your brain can wake you up. Okay. So the consequences of that can be pretty severe with alcohol. That's good to know. However, we don't want to take away everyone's booze. <laughs> of course. <laughs> We're supporters of the happy hour. Exactly. So typically happy hour has been around from 4 to 6 p.m., which is kind of ideal, actually, when you're talking about the metabolism of alcohol because we don't recommend having – we don't recommend drinking, you know, three hours before bed. So your last drink should be three hours before your bedtime. Right. And happy hour is perfect. It just gives you enough time to – to have those cocktails and then let your body metabolize while you're still awake. And I don't know about you guys, but the older I get, the harder a time I have to recover from alcohol and the more attractive day drinking becomes. <laughs> so <laughs> I, lo- I love day drinking. I get home by a reasonable hour and still can get to bed on time. That's how I know I'm old. Yes. But it's great, it's great now knowing that what I do about sleep, knowing that this is a, a positive thing, so... Absolutely, day drinking and waking best. up without a hangover. Without a hangover, oh, oh, the best, so worth it. You can be hang be hungover before you go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather that any day. Uh, but speaking of no hangovers, woo, cannabis is legal in Canada. Yeah. So cannabis is legal now. Um, and now that it's legal, it's actually become kind of like a regular topic of conversation. Um, and we get asked a ton of questions all the time because people know that we're in sleep and we love to talk about sleep. Right. Um, and everyone's kind of talking about using it as a sleep aid. So let's talk about it. I mean, Marley, you've talked about last week, I think you talked about using your THC and CBD oils for your pain. Um, what kind of effect did that have on your sleep or like, did you 
find a difference with your sleep or right yes oh definitely (laughs) so pain and sleep do not go together I think I talked about that last week so I did get some um I was prescribed some CBD oil and some THC oil to try and I was taking the CBD oil at pretty high doses for the pain and it was very effective and I was taking small doses of THC before bed but usually asleep by the time it took right. effect um, but it did definitely help with the pain which helped me sleep better um, until <laughs> Friday night and I decided to crank it up a notch <laughs> and I did the full dose of THC let's really see what this could do for me <laughs> like the well, weekend if I feel good on half a dose what will a full dose do <laughs> um, and because cannabis can't kill you I thought well, why not yeah well I, I, I did learn firsthand why not <laughs> I took it, went to bed, woke up the next morning. I did have a great sleep. I don't remember waking up once throughout the night. I'm sure I was sedated, but I did wake up the next day and eat a pound of bacon and watch Planet Earth for three hours in the morning. <laughs> so I'm just going to say I was still stoned the next yes, day. definitely still stoned. So there is some art to titrating doses of THC um, with your sleep. Um, but the best thing is you don't wake up hungover, that's for sure. But yeah. I do get complaints that people wake up groggy when using THC or CBD, um, or just cannabis in general for, for sleep. Um, and usually the fix for that is just less. Right. So not necessarily CBD. CBD shouldn't give you any groggy feeling, um, but a lower THC level will help with that grogginess the next morning. So, so just titrating just like to smaller doses and smaller doses till you can find like the minimum amount that is Right, the minimum effective dose. Right. Same as everything, except okay. you're playing with a drug that can't kill you, which is nice. Right. But I wouldn't recommend taking high doses of THC when you have to work the next day. Thank God I did it on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I know as a sleep therapist, you've had some education now um, about sleep and cannabis. And I know there's a difference between edibles or oils and, um, smoking. So what, like, what can you tell us about that? So generally in the sleep world, uh, using cannabis for sleep is preferred, the preferred method would be ingesting it. So oil and, um, edibles are basically, um, process they're processed the same ingestion by our body rather inhalation um some of the problems with edibles is titrating the dosage of it so oils are a little easier because they come with a how many milligrams a dosage meter right and edibles can be tricky um Mm -hmm. we all have know somebody with a crazy edible story yeah (laughs) had a bad trip i definitely don't have (laughs) um but um the reason that preferred method would be ingesting over inhalation um, actually isn't to do with the smoking is bad for your lungs. It has to do with the duration of action. So, so how long it's it, right? It'll for. stay in your body and last all night. Where smoking can last like ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. That, uh, the effects of that ninety minutes to two hours. An edible can last, or ingestion can last eight to twelve hours. So being kind of mindful of when you're taking it, how much you're taking, and you kind of know ahead of time how it's going to affect you. Right. Um, and inhalation has a much faster onset of action, so you feel the effects a lot faster. And that's why I think a lot of people m- gravitate to that because they feel like the other um, inje- oils and ingestion might not be as effective for them. Right. But it's really the onset of action. And it's the dosing of 
the edibles that becomes tricky with titration because it takes so long to feel the effects that people tend to take it, wait an hour, oh, don't feel anything, I'll take more, don't feel anything, take more, and then they're taking way too much. <laughs> and um, then, so yeah, dosing is issues. the trickiest part, um, and it's generally considered the hardest part in our, in sleep medicine. That's right, and I think it's getting a little bit easier now. It's um, They're dosed pretty specifically now, whereas it was just, you know, Uncle Jimmy cooking up some brownies before (laughs) now it's like they're coming in a package that says exactly how many milligrams and so it's it's getting easier you know what you're getting now and i mean i think edibles are already legal in canada and then they're going to be released here in a month or so right um so you'll see a lot more of that yeah even though there's not a lot of research to show that smoking cannabis hurts your lungs probably never hurts to not be smoking right (laughs) right so if there's another option it's probably a good thing So I know it's a relatively new field of research since, even though it's been around since the dawn of time, (laughs) cannabis and sleep and both new fields of research, but that's (laughs) putting that ironic, putting that aside, (laughs) what do we know now with this new research about the effects of cannabis on sleep? What kind of research is coming out now? Good question. So cannabis typically treats the, it's generally considered to just treat the things that could interfere with sleep rather than being a sleeping aid. So um, CBD has a lot of anti-anxiety properties, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people do have anxiety about going to bed, and that can help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, CBD and THC both have analgesic or pain-killing properties, and right. pain is often an obstacle for people with sleep uh, sleep problems. So um, it definitely treats those things very well, and it doesn't affect your breathing. So you know, in comparison to alcohol, that causes right. a muscle it's a different to kind of sedation. Right, exactly. So it's not it's not affecting your breathing. For so people with sleep apnea or snoring, it's definitely something to consider. The architecture of your sleep, so the staging, sleep staging can be affected by cannabis. So the higher THC levels, you'll get less REM sleep. Okay. So REM sleep will take care of memory. So, you know, stoners are considered to be forgetful. (laughs) Right. Um, It really kind of lowers your percentage of REM sleep. So memory, cognitive function, sometimes even like your, how dull you feel throughout the day right. can be affected by that. That can also be t- too much THC, right. which is the same. In consequence to lowering that stage of sleep, it increases your slow wave sleep or your stage three or beauty rest, um, that deep sleep stage that we always talk about as being the restorative part for our bodies, right. um, which I think, you know, it could lead to some pretty good outcomes for people with um, inflammatory problems. So people yeah. with inflammation in their body, that slow wave sleep is when our bodies get to kind of, um, it, we have those anti-inflammatory properties in right. slow wave sleep and our body is restored. Human, human growth hormone is human growth hormone is released. So our bodies are repaired. Right. Um, so really the, there are implications specifically for that, um, at the high THC right. levels. But generally, if you're feeling the effects of it into the next day, lower THC levels are typically the answer. So less REM sleep, but possibly more deep sleep. So there are benefits and negatives to that then, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, in the real world of weighing pros and cons, if you're a... You drink nightly, you're probably better off with cannabis for your sleep because even one alcoholic beverage can affect the architecture of your sleep. Right. Um, I mean, obviously, nothing is recommended to be used nightly. 
And right. if you are a person that is struggling to fall asleep and you're using different things to help you fall asleep that are like alcohol or drugs on a regular basis, it is worthwhile to look into some alternative options. The best option being cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Right. It is the gold standard across the board to treat um, to treat this and to help people that are having trouble falling asleep, even if you're addicted to sleeping pills or you can't fall asleep without that nightcap or... yeah. You know, you're eating four brownies before bed. <laughs> Whatever it is that you're relying on to fall asleep, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia will help that. It's been proven over and over again that it's very effective. So my sleep tip this week is if you are a person that relies on a substance to fall asleep every single night or even just the majority of time, right? to look into cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. There are apps you can do. Just um, Google it and see where it takes you. You can Google it or email us at sleepculturepodcast at gmail.com or you can dm us on our instagram sleep culture podcast mm-hmm. um, and we're happy to give you some more information about it yeah um, but it is definitely the gold standard so if you are a person that's relying on drugs alcohol and anything else then uh give it a give it a search give it a google search and that's it for us this week guys we hope you sleep well sleep well everyone